live. We're live. Clapped out podcast episode four. Dude, our consistency is on point. Two minutes late, but what would you expect from idiots like us? But here we are. And this week's episode, let's get right into it, is brought to you by the good folks over here at Nitrous Express. That's right. Express your damn self. Nitrous Express makes everything you need for your nitrous needs. You pay for the whole seat. Direct pour. You will pay for the whole seat. But you'll only use the edge. Sorry, was I timed right for the intro? No, I thought I was doing the intro, and you're blowing out everybody's eardrums right now. But yes, the good homies at Nitrous Express have come on board to help us out here at uh, at uh, Clapped Out and. Uh, but yeah, check them out. They got everything. If you're a dinosaur and you're still running a carburetor, they got 4150. They got plate kits. They got one stage, two stage, center stage, stage right, stage left. Any stage, stage left, of nitrous stage that you need. Accessories, heaters, purges, everything you want. Nitrous Express. Hit them up. Shout out to the number one homie, Aaron Gonzalez, for helping us out over there. A uh, bunch of good dudes over there. So thank you, Nitrous Express, for sponsoring this week's episode. I'd also like to apologize to Nitrous Express for that time you guys sold me a kit for my RX-7 and then I put it on <laughs> and then I never, I, I sprayed it on the dyno and uh, and then immediately went supercharger. Sorry about that. That was that was lame of me. It's just who you are as a person. Uh, I'm very sorry. That was me. That's my fault. So what's um, up, dude? <clears throat> well. How was your, uh, your birthday for America? My American birthday was very, very relaxed. We didn't do much of anything, actually. We, uh, what did I do? What day is this? What are we doing? <laughs> I don't remember anything from this weekend, and I don't, I didn't party at all. Happy I was in the fifth of July to everybody. That's what it is. It's the fifth. Um, all right. So the podcast this week, we have a few topics that we want to go over, and as Rye just alluded. We are presented by Nitrous Express. So to kick things off, first of all, I, I, I'm going to try, and I don't know how you feel about this, Rye. I would like to have every week, even if we're not working with them directly, at least have highlight companies that we've worked with in the past or the people we like. Yes. And just presented by like we're super official. <laughs> the thousand percent center. agree because I got a laundry list of people that have been not just like people that have, have given us discounts on products or anything like that or you know, no handouts or nothing like that. Just like good companies to work with, especially smaller companies, upstart companies that just have great products and killer customer support. I definitely want to, you know, talk about good experiences because I think all too often in the world of automotive, like if you screw somebody over, they're going to tell anybody who's going to listen. But if a deal goes good for a lot of people, they're going to tell maybe one or two people so all too often the good deals go unnoticed and i would love nothing better than to talk about the countless good deals that i've had in the the, the years of doing automotive stuff and i'm sure you feel the same way i do i think there's i think that there's a lot of negativity in the industry and um instead of focusing on that i, I would like to only focus on the positive stuff obviously we got to dive into the negatives every once in a while because it's funny but um, <laughs> it makes for good content. But Nitrous Express being the presenter this week is, is awesome, super fitting. They are on board my notchback that I'm going to attempt to explode, um, which also we have a curveball now, Rye, and I, I don't think I've talked to you about this. So I put the, the video up of me installing the AR5 transmission into the notchback. Yeah. And one of the like, common questions is how much power do those handle? And here's the, here's the honest answer. I don't know. I have no, absolutely no idea. I didn't look at it at all. I didn't like look into it. I just saw that the transmission was 250 bucks and was like, yeah, it's probably fine. They're pretty so, damn stout. I'm thinking I just try to break it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like what, what better way to try to teach people about this product? Not the FabBot stuff, but the trans itself. Because the FabBot stuff, obviously, I'm not going to be able to break. Hopefully, if I like send a clutch through the bell housing or something. It, now, it is a 4L60E bell housing. I mean, those oh, aren't fair. notorious, but it may bring some of its weakness to the party. A little negative energy to the party, yeah. But um, So that's that's up there now. We have that loaded. I see Matt Aruda has joined the live feed. Matt, I called you last week because guess what? 
I took a new Haltech Nexus ECU and I set it to the side as you requested. So if you don't call me up next week <laughs> and pay me for this ECU, just kidding, but for real, I have it. Uh, I have yours segregated so we can uh, get that out to you. Anyway, um, yeah, the AR5 stuff is is cool. I'm stoked on that car going together. Um, I'm excited. I, I was so done with it just because of, I was waiting on just the motivation to work on it, you know. And then I started wrenching on it again. It got me back in the zone. It looks super sick. It is looking really clean. Yeah, I'm happy, man. It's um, coming along well. Also got the RX-7 um, ready to rock. So, Kalos oh, is saying he's stuck in purgatory. What's up with that? I just sent him the message ID. So, he hopefully he should be in the password. So, direct links. And if he um, can't figure it out, then I'm not spoon-feeding him. Uh, the RX-7, I was able to get the gear, uh, pulled the diff out of it, got it to Brock and from Dynasty. And we went from a 355 to a 327. So hopefully we'll get another 10, 15 mile an hour out of the car the next time we're at the track. Um, but the topic, the, there's a few topics today. Rye, you did your, your pre-reading, right? No, I no, I didn't. You didn't? Okay. <laughs> Neither did I. I didn't do anything either. So let's start with... This is going to be a good one, and I want—I think we can both touch on this stuff. Um, lying, lying, <laughs> lying. Yes. The topic lying. is lying, lying to a shop that has tuned and/or worked on your car, and then bringing your car back and lying to them about the conditions under what the, under which the car failed, and trying to blame the shop instead of just being honest and real. And, uh, and the other side of that is from the technician in the shop side, how in different stories discovering that this, that this has just been a lie from the jump. And I'll give you an example. This is not a real example. This is just a story. But like, let's say you go to, um, I don't know, shop. Uh, give me a name of a shop, Rye. Um, Dynasty. Super, super, no, come on. Super fast, like a fake one. Super fast. Oh, Biff speed Bagwell's place. big Billy Badass <laughs> big speedboats. Yeah. All right, so you go to you go to you go to this. That's not gonna work. Biff you Bagwell's go to your boats. Local, you go to your local speed shop, and you bring them your vehicle, and you have a standalone ECU on it, and they tune your vehicle. What is that noise? That would be a Harley going past my garage. Oh man! So, Incoming, Josh. Cool. I can't wait for him to treat this like it's just a cell phone call and not a podcast. Roll with it. Um, cool. Now, welcome to the welcome to the jungle, Josh. All right. So you bring your vehicle to a shop. It's got a standalone ECU. Let's say it has a Holly Dominator on it, and they tune the vehicle. Let's just say it's a single turbo combination. It makes a thousand horsepower on the dyno. It goes to the track. It goes a great number. The car consistently runs like it needs to. We don't have any issues. And then, you fast forward, right, so I'm hearing myself in my headphones right Josh, now. Josh, your turn your audio, audio off. God, you, you, you got to have headphones on. You're such an idiot. Such a moron. Right idiot moron. <laughs> what, my audio right now is messed up? It's coming. It's bouncing right back through, dude. It's getting killer feedback. Well, no, no, no. I, I turned that off. Okay, good. Good. Got so, your failure. Logan, continue with your story. All right. This so is you going bring, well. You bring your car in. They tune it, go to the track, makes a thousand. Let's just, again, this is made up, but it's a Precision 76 on a 5.3, and it makes whatever, eight, 900 horse, goes to the track, goes number, car runs great. A month later, you call the shop that you were just at, and you say, hey, dickheads, my engine blew up. This is your fault. You must have tuned it like an idiot. I want, I want you to pay for all the damages. Well, an honest shop and a cool shop will say, how about this? Bring us the car. We'll take a look at it and we'll come to an agreement, figure out what we can do to help you. This is, first of all, it's race car stuff. So if something splits, a block splits in half, you show your rod goes out the block, like it's race cars. This is not your daily driver. So if you Shit can't happens. Yes. Yeah, so you can't afford to, to build it twice. Don't build it once. Um, anyway, how does, how does the shop surmise that you're a liar? Number one, they go into the tune and they look at your data logs. And you tell them, I only beat it up once or twice. I took it to the track one time. I, I didn't, I barely got into this thing. It was totally fine. I don't know what happened. And then they pull your data logs. <laughs> and the data log is the black box of an airplane going down. You know what I mean? 
and we see 500 wide open throttle pulls with oil pressure slowly degrading pull after pull after pull after pull after pull after pull and you still continue to rape on this thing and beat the hell out of it regardless of the fact that you have no oil pressure and then come to that shop and lie to them what what is the mindset of an idiot like this of complete moron that would do that I would love to get inside the mindset of somebody that thinks that they can get away with stuff like that. It's, it's, it's denial. It's a hundred percent denial. They're crossing the fingers. It's a last ditch effort to hopefully save some, to, to just try and save some money. That's basically all it boils down to. Or well, they spent some money at a shop and the shop should have built a engine that you could go beat up on. Cause who wants to pay for an engine that you can't go beat up on? Well, I mean, even still, I'm talking about someone that just comes for tuning, that brings their own stuff. Not like you built the whole car. They just show up for a tune session, beat the car up for a month, and then the car blows up down track and they want to blame the tuner, even though it ran fine for 60, 70, 80, 90 poles. Mechanically, the tune's not going to change, right? I mean, it'll, there's obviously a tune can change based on things it sees, preset determinations. However, if your fuel pressure goes away completely in the middle of a pole because you're a jackass and you wired your fuel pumps wrong, that's not the tune. That's a physical part of the car that failed. But people like to blame anybody. The big blame the tuner thing is the funniest thing in the world to me. People blamed my tuner, Hal, when my engine let go. They said, yeah, Dynasty doesn't know how to tune. They don't know what they're doing. Well, here's a curveball. The same tune is in the engine right now. Like, the, the tune never really changed. We changed maybe one or two small things to make more power, like added some timing up top, but nothing else is different. Everything's the same. So everyone that's beating their chest saying, oh, tune did it, tune did it, tune did it. Like, no, shit happens. Stuff happens. But the way you deal with that, I think, is what makes you a member of the motorsports community. So inside the mind of somebody that does nothing but try to take advantage of shops. Well, a lot of people also think that they can pull that, oh, the customer's always right card. Like, oh, you want to be in business? The customer's always right if you want my money and I'll drag your name through the mud and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's... It's one of the reasons it, it, it kind of terrifies me about the prospect of getting into the automotive industry like full time yeah. in the coming year or two that I don't want to deal with that like downside, the negativity portion just, of it. Just always be a customer. Yeah. And you're good. <laughs> That's the other thing. Well, is like, and- I'm not really a customer to anybody. That's why I do all my own crap because I can only blame one person and I don't lose friends over business and, and money and all that stuff. Yeah. Here's I, another... like being right. I like being right all the time, so I stay a customer. <laughs> <laughs> that is your role. All right, I have another question, and this is open for discussion. In the comments, I want to see the comments going off on this too because this is something that is rarely touched on, and I would love to get an opinion from the public and from you guys too. So I'm going to present a scenario, and I want you guys to tell me the proper recourse and – who pays for what and how it goes down. And Rye, I think I've posed this question to you before as well. So yeah, yeah. at Dynasty, where I work, I manage a shop called Dynasty in Louisville. We do a bunch of performance. We're one of the bigger performance shops in Louisville. Um, So we do a ton of stuff. We made our, initially made our living on on Z cars, 350s, 370s, G35s, G37s. Still have the fastest stick shift 350Z in the nation. Um, Well, still have the record. Don't sell in the car. But either way, neither here nor there. One of the popular turbo kits for these cars was made by a company called Gretti. To install the turbo kit properly, you have to take the engine and transmission out of the car as one unit, and that way you can properly torque everything down, uh, heat wrap stuff that you normally couldn't if the thing's still in the engine bay, and then reinstall everything back into the car. Well, an R&R, remove and reinstall an engine and trans on a 350 books for like 23 or 24 hours labor. So it's like anywhere from $2,500 to $3,000 in labor to do a twin turbo kit install on one of these cars. Um, So here's the question. You go to a shop, let's say you go to Dynasty and you wanna buy a twin turbo kit for your 350Z. I don't sell you the kit, but you you say, this is what I want, I wanna buy this kit and you spend $10,000 and you buy this kit. The shop installs the turbo kit into your car, right? They fire it off and on startup, one of your turbos is dead, meaning it out of the box was bad and it's smoking like a freight train. And now you got to take the entire engine and trans back out of the car to remove and replace that turbocharger. Who is liable and who is responsible to pay for that turbocharger? Wait, he bought the turbochargers from the shop? 
Dude, this, this is a scenario. It's a made-up scenario. It's not a real story, Josh. <laughs> no, 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 no. But did he bring, did he bring the turbo? Is he just did you, did you listen? The... Did you listen to anything I said? I was trying to. But... Oh, okay. Let me wind it back. A customer comes into the shop and wants to buy the turbo kit. They pay us for the turbo kit. They pay us to install it. On startup, one of the turbos is bad. We did not sell them. They came in knowing that's what they wanted. I mean, I, as a dealer for a company, you're kind of the face of the organization at that point, it, which sucks. Kind of cost of doing business type of thing, I feel like. But I can't. I can't. Just come on. No, you're saying, you're saying, I'm asking you to buy the turbo. No, I can't hear you. I'm no, Josh, Josh, your, your, your phone, yeah. the audio is jacked. Is it? Yes. All right, how about now? There, much better. Okay. All right. No, what, what I'm saying, saying is he walks in this he walks in the shop and he purchases the turbo kit and the install, right? Yep. Yeah, and he got a bad turbo. I mean, if I go into McDonald's and I buy a burger and that shit's got mold on it, I'm giving it back and you're it's, making me a new burger. That's apples to oranges though. You're talking about you're, it's a completely different scenario. If a customer walks into your shop and says, "This is what I want from this company. Buy this for me and put it in my car." And out of the after after a technician spent thirty hours putting it together, and one of the parts from that company is bad out of the box. There's no way to test it before you run the car. It's impossible. I mean, it in the it's not plausible to try to test a turbocharger before you install it in one of these combinations. And on fire off, like I didn't sell the part, I didn't push him into that part, I didn't say this is what you need. It was legitimately just a, hey, this is what I want. Here's the money. Install it. Cool. And on fire up, one of the turbos is bad. I think when you accept that job, you kind of accept some liability on that thing. So, like, some people are saying in the comments, like, shop cops it for now uh, on the shop. Like, it's, it is gritty, it is responsible, and hopefully they would stand behind their product and be like, our bad will cover the, yeah. the, the warranty period of it. But it's, should, it's a I tough I should one. note, just real quick to clarify, because I see the comments going <clears throat> kind of crazy. This is not a real story. This is something that I pose to customers when they decide to purchase something that's a large scale job. Because every time we go to spend 30, 20, 25, 30 hours of labor, the client has to know at the beginning, the risks inherent with performance automotive, yes. because this is one of those risks. Now, again, there's a couple people commenting, the shop eats the cost and then goes after Gretty. You know, yeah, but, that's, what I think. that's what I would think. Yeah. Good luck getting a dime out of, out of a company like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I will say the only time I have ever seen a company stand up um, on a scale like this, I mean, I've had personal experiences that have been very good, but um, I had a friend of mine, I won't name names or, or situations, but basically a part failed and destroyed an entire engine. And this company literally cut him a check for the entire retail value of that engine, which was insane because the part that was their part in the engine was only like a $200 part. Yeah. And they cut him a giant check to fix the whole thing, which was awesome. I mean, I've walked into engine machine shops before in the past and I was kind of naive to how it all really worked. And like I bought, like when my car still had a Ford motor in it back in the day, I walked in with a, I bought a stroker kit, all brand new in the box. I didn't even open the parts, walked into the machine shop. I said, I got a bare block sitting outside of the truck and I have a full stroker kit. And they're like, yeah, we don't care. We're not touching it. We didn't buy it. It didn't come through us. We didn't recommend it. I'm, I'm not going to, it's too much liability. We refuse to, it's unknown products. So yeah, I see both sides of the coin and are, is the shop in a position where they can turn away labor? Is it worth the gamble? You know, it, every situation is going to be a little bit different, but when it goes South, it's going to go South real hard and fast and mm -hmm. it's going to suck. Somebody's going to end up shelling out some cash and if the customer is not understanding they have every right to be pissed off, but you know, who are they going to be pissed off with? Yeah. It's tough, man. Because I mean, and, and Josh, you could probably speak to this too. Like, actually, I don't, I can't think of a scenario like with your Camaro. I can't think of a scenario where that would be like, I don't know. It's just one of those things when you're setting, when you're providing the parts, it's a relationship. I mean, it literally is like these people call you on a week to week to week basis. Like you build these rapports with these people. And then to have an issue like that pop up, it sucks. It's, it's, it's absolutely disheartening to have to call no, someone. I had, with my Camaro, I had a brand new fresh motor. Took it to a shop to, in, in uh, San Diego to tune it. They, I just wanted C16. They swear they could tune it on Q16. So I gave oh, them, no. I said, go ahead. <laughs> and they, they dropped my Camaro off, said, it's all done. And the, and the motor was 
shop. It had 90 something dyno poles and it was, it was, yeah, I had to completely rebuild the motor. And I, I just gave them an earful and was really pissed off about it, but I had to go get it rebuilt on my own. I mean, yeah. You know? I mean, it, it sucked for sure, but lesson learned, you know, just stick with, stick with, uh, if you got tuners or whatever, make sure you get good recommendations. I just was trying to yeah hook it up with a homie, you know, and then he fucked my shit up. That's a good, um, that's a very good note. The, the precautions and the decision on what parts and where to go, people make sure you use your extended circles because I have been burned by people, Rye, Josh, we've all been burned by people. So if there's a question about the integrity of, so there's a, I won't, again, won't say names, but there's a, a, a local guy that has just destroyed people's cars and destroyed people's engines. And it continues to reface himself and come out like, and continues <laughs> to do it. And uh, he's, he's not in, he's in the um, Nashville area and it continues to do this. And we continue to hear stories about this guy and I got a phone call last week and this guy's an older gentleman. He's like in his seventies and he's just MF and up and down. I can't effing believe I went to this MF and idiot. He had three good reviews on Google. I said three, three? good reviews. Yeah. On that's like your, I can get five in my house right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so absolutely use your extended circles to judge and to, um, and to figure out what's going on. Yeah, everything I learned about spending money on the Camaro and having someone else do it was spend the extra money and get the the right people doing what you need done, you know? It's yeah, like, absolutely. it's, I think, like picking a shop, if you're going to take your car to a shop to work with, it's kind of like picking a tattoo, like don't pick the cheapest one because you're going to regret it. Yeah, I'll, I'll actually even watch people work on either their own cars or somebody else's car. I'll go to a shop and watch them work on a car. Yeah, and shit, it, you helped it, work a on lot my of times car. Like, you ain't working on my shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow you let me do it, and that worked hey, is, out hey, real well. <laughs> is is Heath sitting by you, Josh? Yeah, he, he's the Stig is here. What yeah, up? Heath, yeah. man, that dude's attractive. He's a good looking man. Damn, he's a good-looking man. I got the same got haircut as you. He's got a head scar, just like you know. You got me, dog? Yeah, a couple brain surgery babies over here. Yeah, man. They forgot to put some stuff back in me, though. <laughs> um, he, he just got some heat shrink up in there. Yeah. yeah. All right. What was the other topic uh, we had? Don't lie to your shop when you come in. Dino prep. Was the next Dino one. prep. <laughs> Which for Josh means leave, breaking a brake line. What happened with your brake line? We got to Steve Morris's. Um, it was totally unexpected. Like a brake line just broke off your front caliper or something. Well, what it was, I have the steering stops on the lower control arms. And I forgot to put them back in. And so the brake line, no, no. And I put new, I put new caliper. It had brand new brakes, different brakes. <clears throat> so the line coming from the subframe to the caliper was a little bit shorter than the old one. Yeah, yeah. And so when I think when Steve was like, yeah, yeah. the steering fully locked and it just kind of snapped a little bit of the brake line. Well, on that note, dyno prep, um, which which kind of ties into the previous topic because when how many people have you had come into Dynasty and just say, all it needs is a tune, everything's done, it's ready to go, dude. Yes, yeah. actually, a note, and here's a bizarre a bizarre tale. This happened this weekend, uh, Friday. A uh, customer named Brian, who has a DSM, he brought it. I accidentally booked Friday when we were supposed to be closed. So Hal was super <laughs> pissed at me. So we had to drive up to the shop. I had to drive an hour north to the shop on a day I was supposed to have off. And the DSM shows up and it's it's ready to tune. Like he had been running at the track the week before and it's ready to tune. Well, backs it out of the trailer. It won't even start. It's on two cylinders. So we're doing everything we can to help him. We compression test cylinders two and three, and it's dead to the world, zero, zero PSI. So it sucked, and it was because it, he drove from Clarksville. It's a hell of a drive, and our wait list to get on dyno is insane. We're booking into September right now, so it, it's, it just sucks. I mean, it, it's terrible for him. And he gets home, car fires right up, drives it in the garage, perfect compression on all four cylinders. Like, how do you – there's no, like, he met, he commented on one of my posts on Facebook and I'm like, I, you watched me compression test it in front of you and it wouldn't, it would not run on four cylinders at all. And, uh, 
gets it home. It just doesn't like being in Kentucky. Um, and there's no way to prep for that. Like if it fired up and drove into your trailer, fine. And then comes out of the trailer and won't run on but two cylinders and it's backfiring through the exhaust and shows zero PSI compression. Like how, how do you plan for that? You don't, I mean, they're impossible. I know I have, no, I have absolutely no, I'm baffled by it. We're going to touch base next week and, and get a plan of attack, but like Seems it made awesome. zero sense to me. Compression doesn't just go and come as it pleases. So it's going to be interesting to see um, that I, the car should go at a good number. It's a, it's a quick car, that's for sure. Did you compression? T- did you compression test your compression tester? Oh yeah, yeah, totally. It's calibrated. Um, <clears throat> but like, well, a- outside of like losing compression on half your cylinders, more common stuff that you see when somebody brings a, di- a car into the dyno. Like, what's the? Let's do top three degraders on a dyno prepped car. Okay, turbo applications. If you have a turbo application and you're going to the dyno, make sure you already have your wastegate set up for the amount of boost you want. So 50% of max, but like if you want to make 20 pounds, put like a 12 pound spring in the gate. Um, and on that same note, all of your vacuum lines, including to your regulator, heat is the enemy. Okay, so heat will burn through lines, it'll tear stuff up. I mean, it literally, it's happened to me at the track. So keeping heat away from vital parts of the system is huge. Um, making sure your rear main seal is actually installed in the engine. That's a huge part too. <laughs> okay. Let's, not everybody does that. I'm not talking about like everything you've ever seen, but like, like, okay. Dead battery, bringing a car to the dyno with a dead battery sucks. Yes. Uh, you know, if you, if you had a long-term build, if it takes you eight months to build a car in your garage and you left the battery hooked up like a moron the whole time, you should probably put a freshie in there put fresh gas in it. Don't show up to the dyno with a quarter tank of gas that's been sitting in there for eight months. Oh my God, dude. Oh my God. Yes. There, this is, this is my biggest pet peeve. Um, and, and we just went through this too with, a with, and I'm not throwing shade at anyone. I don't care. A GTR comes in, um, R35 GTR comes in and we tune it on E85. And when it leaves, it's like 60 or 70 miles to empty. And then I get a call from the customer and they, they tell me that the car's breaking up like crazy and it won't make a pole and it's a pile of junk. And I'm, I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> I, I, it immediately, I'm like stunned because we, that morning we went out and made seven, eight hits on the, on the street to verify it was doing what it needed to do. And it just light bulb went off in my head. I said, Hey, what do you have? How much fuel do you have in the tank? <laughs> he's like 20 miles to empty. I'm like, okay, fill it up with E and then go beat on it and tell me how it does. They fill it up, get a call back. This car is so fast. It's amazing. Like little stuff like that. Yes. Fuel sloshes, liquid moves. Um, you'll learn the hard way. Uh, I want to shout out Mr. James Short in this respect too, Rye. I don't know if you've looked at his website, but he's got a list of like the dyno mechanical checklist, which is really, it, it's good. Um, compression and leak down needs to be good. Obviously we know this, right? Intake manifold and intercooler sealed under vacuum and pressure. So, how many times have you had to, had to diagnose a boost leak in your life, Fry? Um, thankfully, on my own personal car, not that many. I'm full, full all honestly. And Josh, I'm a little, just, I'm overly paranoid about it, so I go over the top and check and triple check. Josh, you just went through a wastegate issue as well, right? Yeah. Um, so now you make, a, especially with a coupler that's just got a slit. There you go, your diaphragm melted. If you have a coupler that's got a hairline slit in it and it only like opens up under boost it's hard to diagnose i mean it really is um and we've had that happen i've I've had couplers that look completely fine and they have the tiniest little pinhole that opens up under pressure that you wouldn't see otherwise um so that stuff's that stuff's big to check over too but just i always tell people if you're gonna come to the dyno pretend like you're about to go on a cross-country drive and make sure that your vehicle can make it from Maine to California. And that's the easiest way I can explain to make sure your car's ready. You know, good alignment, good tires, good fuel. I mean, everything with recent oil change, you know, that sort of stuff is massive to make a dyno run successful. I think, can you guys see that screen being shared right now? I can't, no. Is it not popping up? Oh, man. Um, so here we go. Shoretuning.com slash tuning. Uh, if you go there and check out that website, Shore Tuning, S H O R 
tuning.com slash tuning. And he's got a killer checklist on here, covers everything from mechanical checklist to engine, fuel system, driveline, electrical, all of the above. If you ever have a question over what you need, then Bob's your uncle. There it is. Austin Ferris just dropped one. Austin, thank you for this. Fuel filters. Fuel filters. <laughs> oh my God, man. When you drop fuel pressure at the big end and you're at 30, 40, 50 PSI and all of a sudden it just tanks out of nowhere and you pull a fuel filter out and it looks like it's sat at the bottom of the ocean for six, eight years, man, check your fuel filters, especially if you run ethanol. Regardless, check your fuel filters, but look those over before you go to the dyno because it's going to be a bad time. And if you're running ethanol, make sure you have the right fuel filter, stainless. Don't run a paper or cellulose filter on that thing because... It's going to clog up with the quickness. Kurt Kaler, don't run eBay junk couplers. I feel like you're targeting me with that comment, Kurt. I run eBay junk couplers. But good I clamps, do. though. No, clamps. At 35, 40 pounds of boost, I'd like to see what they do. I'm sure they swell up. I won't um, need that much to whip your ass. Austin Brown, do a bolt check. Very good. Plugs gapped. Very good. I'm, like, I, I'm really proud of our fans right now. <laughs> I don't want to, I'm sorry, our, our extended family. I don't want to call y'all fans. We're all big homies. Do a bolt check, quarter tank of fuel, LOL, plugs gapped, boost leaks, bad wiring. I mean, all, all of these are extremely uh, common on dyno days. I mean, they really are. Hey, Rye, you remember Cunningham out west? Yeah. If you scheduled a dyno day with him and showed up and your shit was like leaking or there was something wrong with you, he'd just straight send you back home. Yeah. Like, no oh, we'll fixing, do the same. No nothing. Yep. Yep, we'll do the same. Yeah. There, there's a certain, there's certain situations and there's certain people that will bend the rules for. Um, and like, like me, for example, everything I own leaks. I mean, it's bad. We had to make like a makeshift diaper under my diff one time. Um, but dino safety, oh my God, man. Dino safety is a often a, a overlooked part of running a performance shop. And this came to light. If you guys remember uh, when I exploded my last engine, um, there was no windshield in the car. <laughs> so <laughs> the screenshots were kind of terrifying. <laughs> we have several intelligent people. I mean, Hal, the owner of Dynasty, is a very, very, very smart guy. He doesn't need to be working in the performance industry. He could do many other things with his life. Um, very intelligent. Brock, our shop foreman, extremely, extremely, one of the smartest technicians I've ever been around. Um, and none of us, I mean, we all, I mean, Hal was concerned, but like, it was just like, man, whatever, no windshield, who cares? Engine lets go. And fireball being blown by a dyno fan through the giant open hole where the windshield should be. It was one of those, I still have PTSD from it. I cannot be near a dyno during a high horsepower pull, I have to step outside. I can't be by it. Um, and you watch the video back and it's a, it's a, he, when he goes to tuck and roll out of the car, I never posted the whole video out of respect to the shop, but um, when he gets the, when the car catches fire, the, the engine bay goes up in flames. He goes to tuck and roll out of the driver's seat and just instinct. And because he's placing his hand where he needs to support his weight, he puts his hand straight on the dyno roller. Luckily, it's spinning away from him, so he just kind of slips up off the dyno. Had it been the other way around, I mean, again, yeah. I, not bringing, I don't want to bring anybody up, but there's been a couple people that have been killed on the dyno in the last couple of years, and it's not a game, man. It's, it's a, a ton of moving parts at high rate of speed. Shit, we had a drive shaft let go on a 1500 Silverado, and you thought a bomb went off in the shop. And they don't stop spinning for a while when the drive shaft lets go. They dance around for a little bit. Dude. And I think a lot of people have seen the, the dyno video of what is the, the turbine wheel comes out from the car and uh, it doesn't end well for the guy involved. It's, it, it can go catastrophically bad very, very quick. So in, I, I mean, I've been at dyno days where there are like crowds of people behind the cars just standing there. Like parents holding their ears, holding the ears of their kids standing directly behind the car. Like, dude, <laughs> what are we doing here, guys? Get these people out of the way. Like, it's not, everybody wants to see horsepower be made and, and hear the car make a whole bunch of noise. And I mean, I get the attraction of it, but as I've become a little bit wiser over the years and seen, like we all have, it go bad. I don't want to be anywhere near it. Yeah. 
it's the worst man and it's it's just nerve-wracking it really is it 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 makes you think like small things i i've never posted the this video either and, and i i won't but we were tuning on a Toyota Tundra. So we built a twin turbo Tundra, made like a thousand plus horsepower. It's in the Middle East now. The guy's super cool to work with. We got another one and the customer's from Texas. So he sends us this Tundra. It's got a TRD supercharger, fully built engine. And then he has a company, not Nitrous Express, a different nitrous company <laughs> who I won't name, but they plumb this blower with direct port nitrous. So I call the company up. I said, okay, what is it jetted for? They tell me it's jetted for a hundred shot. I said, okay, this is on an EFI application. What do you want the regulator set at? They tell us. Whoever gave us those numbers was wildly inaccurate. However, the, we didn't, we, the customer didn't want to pull jets. He said, yeah, they told me it's set up. Let's rock and roll. Well, when you hear that and you're pressed for time, it's just like, okay, let's rock and roll. Well, we found out that the regulator, they had, they had given us incorrect measurements for where to set fuel pressure. Um, that's a very, very short version of what really occurred. And I don't want to throw shade at this company, so I'm going to keep it very brief and vague. Um, however, we were all prior to the dyno, like, this is not right. And being told, yes, that's right. Let it eat. And we're like, it's not right. And they're like, yeah, it's fine. Cool. This thing makes a pull. It makes a thousand pound feet of torque at like 3,800 RPM because it, it was all the nitrous and all the fuel in the world. And it blew the lid off the blower. And I've never been shot at, but this is the closest I can imagine a bullet flying by your head feels like. All I could hear was a zing, like right by my head. And embedded on the other side of the shop wall was a piece of blower lid shrapnel. And it's a good 40, 50 feet to the other wall. So had I been standing a foot to the right, that thing would have caught me straight in the head and killed me. There's no doubt it would have just laid me out and killed me. And watching the video back, like, it's this it's the most insanely terrifying thing in the world to me how quickly things can go wrong and i will note that the next time that truck was on the dyno with a brand new blower lid we had a transmission blanket like this sfi blanket over the top of the blower because <laughs> we're like i'm not playing this game again dude like john o callaghan or callahan i hope i'm not butchering your name there uh is saying that at one point in time he's actually laid under a car mid dyno pole closing off the wastegate dump with a piece of plywood trying to find boost issues <laughs> i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna go ahead and add this guy as a friend right now yeah have you ever yeah, heard of like why don't you use like a jack to hold the piece of plywood but that's some the manliest thing i've heard in a long time somebody get this dude a wheelbarrow for his balls dude <laughs> no way oh my god you're a maniac uh no scott that nitrous company does not make an energy drink the nitrous company that I'm talking about is, is a fairly small operation. And again, it's, it's nobody that's commonly talked about. I just don't care to throw shade at him. Shit happens. So whatever. Um, Austin, Austin Brown, an exhaust hanger will go through a leg. I don't want to know how you know that. I still, all this dyno safety talk, like a little part of me still wants to do a dyno pole and I don't want to be behind it, but I want to set up like a piece of PVC pipe and just, funnel tennis balls between the tires and just fire tennis balls out behind a car like full rip on a dyno pole i think it'd make a super awesome video i want to see if a tennis ball go through a piece of plywood and next week i clapped out yes can you make that happen i think i could i mean <laughs> so hal doesn't work he doesn't work on mondays so it's kind of free reign of the shop so yeah we'll, we'll... <laughs> it's like, hey how do i turn the brake off on the dyno that's just the spread button all right cool Thanks. No, nothing. Don't worry about it. No, I don't need, don't even worry about turning the computer on. He makes me drive my own car on the dyno. Yeah. He's such a dick. You try to kill him one time, one time. And he makes you drive your car. He does it with me, Jonathan Hurst. He makes Jonathan Hurst drive his, uh, Aaron Gregory has the fastest automatic DSM in the world. He went like seven thirty. I don't know. It's way faster than I've ever gone. Thirties, I think. And, um, he, uh, he has to drive his car in the dyno. He makes him drive it. And if you watch his car in the dyno, all-wheel drive, big turbo, it's so rowdy. I wouldn't – it's terrifying to watch. Oh, Mike Smith says we're not the first person to think of it. The Boosted Boys already did it on their channel. They were shooting CDs and stuff. Oh, CDs, I bet it'd be crazy. Like yeah. Wild West when they have the neck things on. So I used to take CDs, like the blank CDs, and I used to put them on an air grinder, and we turned the shop PSI up to like 160 – like you take the, the grinding disc off and just stand back and just stick your arm out and like 
this is what I did. Like just turn my head away. I didn't put anything on, but you get them whizzing hard enough and they start to deflect and they explode everywhere. It seems and, safe. Yeah. Glitter goes that's everywhere. It's like Christmas. Pay for. That's what? That's yes. what our tax dollars pay for. Yeah, basically, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Or you can turn the boost, or the boost, the PSI down a little bit so they don't explode, and then we would take like a razor and hold it right on the end and kind of like use it like a lathe and cut it off and send it, and they go bouncing around the shop like a drive shaft off a dyno kind of thing. Good times, man, so. dude. Um, putting people in the trunk in cars too is always interesting. Um, okay. If you have trash tires on your car, don't go to the dyno. And if your car is going to make two thousand horsepower, go to a hub dyno. Like it, it just doesn't make sense. You're going to waste your time on a roller. If you're trying to make two, 3000 horsepower, just go to a hub dyno. It's a way more controlled environment for that type of power. Yeah. Well, there's dyno safety for you. In, what else you got? In a nutshell. You guys want to talk about uh, the goings on, how Bandamere Speedway is in a bunch of hot water? Well, I don't know. I don't really look at it like they're in hot water. I look at it like this is going to be a time – this is going to be a time for racers to kind of stand up to the to the governing bodies that are basically, I'm, I don't know, man. I think it's people are just tired of being locked in. Well, so it, let me back it up. I don't want to, this is going to be very mundane because I'm just reading an article, guys. But um, here's a here's a backup with Bandamere. A racetrack in Colorado violated court-ordered social distancing requirements during an event attended by fans on the 4th of July, a county health department said Sunday. Vandermeer Speedway did not limit and manage the crowd size, implement social distancing requirements, or adhere to state rules during the event, the Jefferson County Health Department said Sunday in a news release. The agency said it would pursue legal action for the violations that come as Colorado tries to slow the spread of COVID-19. The health department didn't provide details for the violations, but said the finding was based on what staff observed at a jet car national event. So in summation, Bandemir is basically like, okay, we're done. We're racing. Yeah. And then Colorado's like, nah, fam. And Bandemir is like, bet. Um, <laughs> that's the way I take it. Yeah, basically. And many people are coming to Bandemir's side and saying, you know what? I don't care. I'm, I stand with Bandemir. I am this is going to get super deep down the rabbit hole of hoax and what the, what Corona is and isn't and all this stuff. But in my opinion, we have replaced common common sense with mass hysteria. And you should, if you're going to be open, if, if nothing else, but to appease, just try to mandate a little social distancing. But at the end of the day, it's humans in charge of their own actions. We're free to decide and choose as we please. So if anyone there was uncomfortable with how close they were to anyone else, in my opinion, that's on the people. That's not on the track. Like, if you go there, you cannot, you cannot walk in if you're scared. You know what I mean? If you don't want to get corona, if you think you're, you're at risk, then don't go. I mean, for real, stay home. I don't blame you if you're fearful of it. Just don't go. I think what the big problem is, is, and I'll play devil's advocate here, and, you know, I don't – looking at the numbers, do I feel like I'm at risk? Of, no. I, could I catch it? Am I hard – in my head, the way I look at the whole virus thing, and not to get like go down the rabbit hole, because this is supposed to, let's focus on Bandemir here, but I don't think it's a matter of if you're going to get the virus. I think it's a matter of when. If 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 it's as bad and as persistent as everybody is saying it is, everybody's going to get it, right? But the everybody that went to that speedway, like, oh, if you don't want to go to the track and not social distance, then don't go to the track. Well. Every single one of those people that went to the track has to go to the same grocery store that yeah. the little old lady over here who is lives by herself. She's 67, 68 years old with underlying health conditions. Well, she has nobody to take care of her. She has to go to the grocery store. And that's where the problem comes in. Um, you know, can you make the government mandate you social distance and, and not go here and put a mask on? Like, look, if you feel like a mask is getting in the way of your constitutional, like, oh, you're you're such an outlaw because you're not wearing a mask when you go in the store. Like, look at you with your freedom. You go. Like, how much of an inconvenience is it to just go put the put the fucking mask on? Yeah. But I, I will say this is here's the other thing that I find kind of ironic, not ironic, but funny about this whole ordeal. Um, there was a post that, and this is people are probably going to unfollow me or us for this, so I apologize, guys. I probably never mind. I'm going to skip this one. It's too deep. But what I will, it's, it's people are going to get mad about it. I, you know, screw it. I don't care. 
a while ago there was a bakery that refused to sell a cake to a homosexual couple that was getting married, right? And conservatives were like, that's their right. That's their right to deny service to this couple. And then they're like, you won't let me in without a mask? That's not fair. Yep. And it's like, what? <laughs> it's like, dude, that's such a double standard. So you mean to tell me that a bakery can refuse to serve a homosexual couple because they don't agree with what they're, they're doing, but you should be allowed in without a mask? Come on, man. Like, you can't pick. Just stop picking both sides here. Just pick. I mean, you got to see the double standard there, man. Come I mean, on. I don't, I'm not worried about catching the thing. Completely, honestly, I'm not worried about catching it. I got kids. I think everybody that lives in this house is perfectly happy and healthy. But if it makes other people feel better and it prolongs my health a little bit longer before I catch the Rona, then I'll put the mask on. Like, I, I just think it's inevitable that I'm going to end up having it, but it's not going to stop me from living my fucking life. I'm sorry. It's just not. How many people do you guys know that, ha that have had coronavirus? Josh, how many people do you know that have had it? I know a few. Yeah. Rye knows probably the same people I know. Three, I think. Yeah. I know two people that have had it. Um, one of the people that, that had it, like day one, they had like a 99 or 100 degree fever. And then day two, like cold symptoms, I guess. And then the rest, the rest of like, it was, it was two weeks of just being at home. Like there was no, again, it affects people in different ways. I'm not saying globally, it's going to affect everyone the same way. So don't take it that way. Um, but it's just, it's being ridiculous right now, man. The, the whole situation is ridiculous. And you could argue that the people that are more susceptible to get the virus they're the ones that we should accommodate or we shouldn't have to accommodate for. They should have to accommodate for the global, the mass public. But it's hard to stand on that when you see, for example, my father, 75, 76 years old. Yeah. High and, risk. Super well, he high had, risk. He, he, in his, in his, I, again, this is coming from him. He was hospitalized for like a week with Corona and didn't tell me because he didn't want me to worry about it and then had to go back to the hospital for, so they could check him for antibodies or something. And he said, he's a 70, mid 70s year old guy. He was in Vietnam. I watched this, this man is the toughest guy I've ever known in my life. And he said it was the absolute worst thing he's ever been through physically. So then I hear stuff like that, my own father, and I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't mind to be a little bit more cautious. I don't mind to use hand sanitizer. I don't mind to cover my mouth up if I have to, you know, just, but I want to go racing. Yeah. So, like, I mean, we did, uh, hold on. <clears throat> I just look at it like this. Let me put my little opinion in there. Yeah. I don't think the government should be mandating shit when it comes to that, straight up. But the individual businesses, yeah, if the dude didn't want to bake them people a cake, like, I thought it was well within his right to, you know, not bake somebody a cake. If you walk into a store, you don't got shoes on, you know, what do they say? No shoe, no, sh no shirt, no shoes, no service. Yeah. Same thing. If, if I walk up to the grocery store and it says masks are mandatory, like, I got a mask in my pocket. I just throw it on. I mean, it's, you know what I mean? If I roll into a gas station and it doesn't have that sign, well, odds are if I'm grabbing a drink, I don't put it on, but I just, I don't think the government needs to be telling us, uh, mandating, you know, not telling us, but literally mandating it. And so yeah. far everything, everything here in Michigan, I've seen where they mandate closures of, uh, barbershops or whatever, the people that do open, they end up winning. You know, they, they, they try taking their business licenses and all that kind of stuff. And they end up winning because these mandates aren't necessarily law. They're not law, you know, yeah. but your, bu I, your business has to be, you, you got to do business. And that's all Banamir is trying to do. Like, look, we're yeah. trying to keep our heads but above I, water here. But I totally respect the, you know, the store or whoever it is that's saying like, Hey, don't come in here without a mask. I put a mask on. I mean, that's, yeah. it's like somebody walking into my house. I was like, Hey, take your shoes off. Like, <laughs> how dare you <laughs> take my shoes off the thing is, is that's this is america josh those, those are facts too because every time i'm at his house at his front door he's got five million pairs of shoes so it's just automatically i'm like i better pop these that's off. that's <laughs> just him that's no 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 that's not a rule to take your shoes off that's josh just flexing on you low-key nah, like that's it. not a flex man i don't know what that <laughs> Or cat shit coming from Logan's house, fucking cat piss and shit. <laughs> Take your fucking shoes off. That's Leave them in the garage. That's oh fair. man. But so, anyway, yeah, Scott yeah. Scott brings up a point in the chat. Blowers, turbos, nitro, race cars, which we yes. should shift back to because this has gotten very political. That being said, um, who's everyone voting for? 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yo, dude. Kanye West, dude. Did you see? Oh, no, no, Kanye we're not West going down. We're not going. No, nitro race cars. Let's <laughs> talk about methanol for a second. Is true or false? M5 has nitro methane in it. Yes. True. Okay. What is the advantage? What is the difference? I don't know. I'm ignorant. What's the difference between M1? Is there M1, 2, 3, 4, and 5? I think it's just M1 and M5. And okay. Scott from Drag Week always yells at me whenever I say, I think I'm going to put my car on M1 next year. And he goes, stop saying M1. Just put the thing on fucking methanol, man. It's it like saying like, NOS. It sounds just like him. I love Scott. <laughs> so, oh, my God. It sounds apparently, just like in the circles of those who run methanol, if you come up and you're like, yeah, I think about going M1 next year or M5. They look at you like an idiot. I didn't know this until Scott uh, was enlightened me. Scott from Drag Week enlightened me to this. That's so, awesome. Yeah, man. I'm I'm considering putting the car on methanol next year. Joe Bucci wants to see our fancy Pinterest masks. <laughs> it's a Scott shop towel. I don't have one. I got Biggie. I can put <gasps> Biggie on my face. Oh, guys, come to the pot the the clapped out store this week clapped out face mask okay diy kits yeah josh has got a nice willwood break mask this is good um all right we're getting towards the end of the hour here and i wanted to jump back really quickly on mr rye mr rye clem yeah nitrous express has bestowed upon you the uh, ability to finally take a run at me is that correct what I didn't need well, Nitrous Express. I just said I needed some gap insurance. Okay. So, That's how much are you going to spray at that thing? Whatever it takes. I mean. Okay. So, Rye's got a 408, right? No. 364 inches. All right. So, Rye's got a 427 with twin 88s. <laughs> it's literally, like, if you notice this week, the hood is off. Like, there's mm -hmm. no secrets. The only <laughs> thing that we've done on the thing is I'm putting tubular headers on it. I'm putting a motor plate on it. And that is a slightly bigger intercooler, as well as updating some charge piping as well. And uh, the addition of the Nitrous Express kit, which Real is quick, to aid in spooling did, and also maybe scramble button. Why did you put tubular headers on it? So I can install the uh, CAN EGT kit from Holly. Okay. Because you can't do that with truck manifolds it's a pain in the ass to make sure that each one of the egt's the bungs are equally distant from the port on a truck manifold it's much much easier to do it on the tubular headers okay that makes sense i have the same egt kit and mine at idle read like 900 degrees so what's that mean i don't know <laughs> down track they down track i posted on facebook and i said what are normal turbo LS EGTs? Because down track mine are like 1600 degrees. And I feel like I should be melting everything down into a big pool of molten aluminum at that temp. So I'm just, I think the probe depth is off or something, but. I mean, technically aluminum melts at like 1300 something like that. But the reason your pistons aren't melting at that temperature is fuel. The fuel. Yeah. You have a flame fuel. front that is insulating the, the lead. I'm not a, fucking tuner that's why i tune my own shit nobody else's stuff yeah i don't tune at all i i am matt arutis it's better put the tig tra tig welder in that drag week trailer no matt the rest of the hot side on that thing is all mig welded mild steel because the last turbo kit that was mig welded mild steel bullshit lasted five years and never cracked one time so i'm sticking with what i know i ain't that Honestly, fancy i've seen some people throw down mig welds that are gorgeous I mean, I've seen people MIG weld. They can make it. They can make it. I don't know anything about welding, so all, every professional welder is like, "Yeah, no shit, dumbass." Of course, it's. I don't know. You can, do, you can do a nice job with MIG too. I'm not that good, so I just I stick. I can make it stick together and make it work, and that's what <laughs> I plan on doing. Mike Smith, 1450 degrees is when the warning kicks on on my edge on his Duramax. <laughs> I'm, guess, I'm guessing that my 1600 degrees is probably not accurate. Yeah, I, I literally just use it as a reference point. So, like, 
we see, I saw like a couple cylinders were a little bit hotter than the others. Yeah. Um, so we'll play with timing a little bit on those cylinders, individual cylinder correction um, to get, get them happy, play fueling, play with timing to get them all in line. And once they're all within, you know, 30 to 50 degrees of each other, which they are, um, it's, everything's good to go. Which on that note, in terms of, I see you got the equalizer on the car in the background there, Rai. Um, have you ever seen individual O2 testing for um, displacement, or not displacement, for, um, what's the word I'm looking for? For airflow runner to runner on an intake manifold, like seeing not which. It, I haven't. So I, when I was at VTR, they did that test on a few different intake manifolds. And there's some very popular manifolds that like, it's, it's scary to see like a two point air fuel spread from one cylinder to the next. Well, yeah. You, you and I were talking about it because I had the, like a 4150 style manifold on there before, but yeah. you know, standard carburetor with an elbow on it. And uh, yeah, the distribution in an EFI application is not necessarily the greatest. Um, and I'm not the expert. So I leave that to the experts and I just slap together the parts and pieces that people tell me work and cross my fingers. But the, the car, it could probably use a refresh on the converter, loosen it up a little bit to get the turbo to, to get into its happy spot on the trans brake. What converter is in your car again? It is a oh, Mark Chance, not Neil Chance. I think it's Mark Chance converter. Like his no, evil twin it's a, I'm sorry. It's a Cohen converter modified by, I believe, Mark Chance. It's literally a converter that Scott had spec'd 13 years ago for nitrous for, for a small block nitrous <laughs> car with two kits we threw it in the car we're like screw it let's try it and it was golden like towing a trailer in drag week on 2018 it saw like 160 degree trans temperatures going through the the mountains of western north carolina it works awesome so i'm madly in love with that converter and i would hate to see it go but uh with this much much larger turbo we may need to loosen it up a little bit, but I'm going to try to do it courtesy of our friends from Nitrous Express. Yeah, there you go. Um, Mar Marty Chance. Thank you, Scott. Edwin, no, he's got a he's got a 400 in the way, Edwin. He's asking if you got a 4L80 still in that car. No, yeah, Ed, I, I dropped the 4L80 uh, years ago, and no lie, I picked up two and a half, almost three tenths in the eighth mile with zero other changes can you haul ass on a 4l80 yes you can have people gone substantially faster than i have ever gone with a 4l80 yes they have but i thought you're talking, you talking about me because i have gone substantially faster than you not with the 4l80 but no, that is general. a heavy 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 pick of a transmission i probably i think the the weight difference the weight savings is like almost 80 pounds with a billet triple disc converter dropping down to a standard like nine and a half inch converter that we put in there um and it gave me the ability to like, I was able to, when we were racing that top 10 list a couple of years ago, I was going into the beams first against nitrous cars just to, just to mess with them because the car came up on the brakes so quick. And it was one of the best decisions Scott ever talked me into making on the car. Is Scott, I'm going to put you on the spot because I love Scott. What are you guys doing for drag week? Are y'all going on drag week? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Good, good, good. good. Um, when is Drag Week? September? September, I believe it's the 10th or 12th. I think it starts on the 12th this year. Josh, are we going to follow him around like groupies at a concert, or what are you going to do? Uh, I'll go see him because he's going to be here in Michigan. It starts in Michigan and then ends in Michigan, right? Yeah, so we're, you crash, just, we're crashing you, on your couch. I'll be there, and then you go do your thing, and then when you come back, I'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think that this year, a lot of people have asked when we're all going to get together. I think that's going to be the spot. So I think we're all going to be together in Michigan for that. Uh, I know I'm going to make the trip. So um, and then we need to do post drag week. We can uh, after as long as the car survives, then we can go out in front of uh, the the notorious body shop and, and get it done on the street down in dirty hey, style. We should I talk the now. We should actually that got shut down, right? That's why I didn't mention any names, but damn yeah, it. It. it got shut down. Yeah, <laughs> but hey, we should hook up with Mike over at Detroit Hood and maybe get get something going on a pour your own puddle while you guys are here in Michigan. Yeah, I'm down. thinking. I'm thinking that we do a yearly, an annual clapped out rap party, not rap like 
what Josh does in his free time in the shower, but like wrap up <laughs> drag week. I think we, we launch an annual clapped out party and we start it this year at Josh's house at the end of drag week. Yeah, Down. Yeah, 20, the 2021, we're going to try and run Rocky mountain race week. After seeing all the stuff that came out of there, we're going to take Scott's car. He's been building his second gen Camaro. So post drag week, I'm going to be down there helping him get his street car ready. So we'll be starting and hopefully Bandemir is still open after this whole COVID nonsense, but uh, we'll be out there with his car. That looks like an amazing drive and it's his turn to, to take the wheel. I've been taking it from him. Yeah. Um, I will, I would like to wrap up here, boys, cause I have to eat dinner. However, what I will say, and I'll let you close things out, right? Cause you have a better face for radio than me. Um, like I said earlier, we're doing weekly partners for the podcast. A preview for next week, Aeromotive, Aeromotive Fuel. We, uh, we are going to be talking to them this upcoming week. Very excited to uh, possibly work with those people on some, some upcoming projects and uh, to, go, to put their products to the test. I think Drag Week would be a good opportunity for them to prove that their stuff has what it takes to run the distance. Uh, oh, by the way, Josh, just so you know, we've been talking to Aeromotive. I should probably tell you that. So it's about time I was spend so much money with them. <laughs> so, I mean, look, as he walks away for an audio, if you can see, he is coming over here to display us. And what big is money on this stuff, man. Yeah, one filter. <laughs> you go. You're such a dick. Just big money. Yeah. Um, but yes, nope. we are. We uh, uh, we'll have to iron out some details, but talking to them right now um going back and forth on some options there great company overall we did their fuel system in my fox um and that's all i got for this this week an hour goes by really fast when you ramble by the way it does now we appreciate everybody tuning in head over to clappedout.com slash store all currently pending orders are going out this week it's not you it's me it's just who i am as a person josh i'm gonna tell you right now yes your stickers and stuff are gonna go out this week but Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> again, once again, shout out to Nitrous Express for hooking us up, and we look forward to working with you guys. And be sure to check us out next week. Clapped slash store. We're out. Peace. Bye. All right, we're not live anymore. <laughs>